Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, we have quite a bit to go over, because we're going to be recapping signing day, or I guess early signing day, followed by news from the transfer portal, and finally, our weekly recap, including both catsketballs and a sport we've never covered before. But let's just dive right into the early signing day recap. And the full class is as follows. We'll just rattle off the names really fast. Uh, Brayden Lofton, a three-star tight end from Council Bluffs, Iowa. Drake Beckwith, is something like that. A three-star tackle from Texas. Jake Clifton, and a three-star athlete slash linebacker from Owasso, Oklahoma. John Pastor, a tackle from Erie, Colorado. VJ Payne, a three-star safety from Georgia. Jordan Perry, a three-star athlete from Georgia, probably playing safety for us. Jalen Clem, a three-star tackle from Pennsylvania, not Downington. That's where Will Howard's from. I was about to say Downington. <laughs> Donovan Ryman, a three-star defensive end from Oklahoma. Vaai Saamalo, a two-star Juco transfer defensive tackle from Garden City. Sterling Lockett, another member of the Lockett clan, a two-star wide receiver from Olathe, no, Overland Park. I think it's Overland Park. Overland Park, Kansas. Colby McAllister, a two-star defensive back, probably corner from Texas. Toby Osensonmi, a rival's two-star and a four-star on some websites, linebacker from Wichita, Kansas. The Wichita East Blue Aces, I only know that because I had a debate tournament there once and everyone made fun of me for it. And then a more recent commit, Jacob Parrish, which we will give his own little segment because we've never covered him before, an athlete from Kansas. And then another person who will get his own segment, Kobe Savage, a JUCO defensive uh, transfer defensive back from Texas and a flip from North Texas. I also failed to mention Garrett Oakley, a two-star tight end from Nebraska and a flip from NIU. So before we go on to the class as a whole, Let's talk about the two new commits in order that they committed. So let's talk about Kobe Savage first, the JUCO tan- transfer from Tyler, Texas, who I believe is six foot two. He's a strong safety. Yeah, he, he's. I don't know if he's quite as tall as some of the other safeties that we've been getting recently, uh, because I mean we have guys like Jordan Perry. And VJ Payne, they're both six foot two. Kobe might be a little shorter. I think he's maybe a. I think he's maybe six foot. I don't. I'm pulling up that information. Should have already had that up. Yeah, we should have. But hey, it happens. It's whatever. He is five ten. Okay. So well, he's so. Still... Yeah, we're going back to the Snyder era of defensive backs, where everybody's just short as hell. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it happens. And he's probably going to step in to that. Uh, strong safety, more enforcer, enforcer role, more box safety, and a tackler. But considering who we're losing, 100% in Russ Yeast and Jerron McPherson, both running out of eligibility even with the COVID year, we need all the safeties we can get, and it's really good to fill what will probably be the replacement for J-Mac. Yeah, this is almost certainly the J-Mac replacement in Kobe Savage. Um, I really like Kobe Savage. I haven't had a ton of film to digest from him, but I do like uh, his enthusiasm that he's brought thus far. And it's also interesting that 
he committed to North Texas only six days before he ended up committing to K-State because I think it was just like a day after his North Texas commit that uh, he got a call from Kleiman and he just uh, came down and visited on a whim and uh, ended up committing. I think maybe even on the visit. Which, but, un- which unfortunately for Kobe Savage means that he will not be able to play golf at the Brezzy. If that is unfortunate, he will not be able to compete at the Brezzy. <laughs> <laughs> but Kobe, yeah, he will absolutely step in immediately. And at the very least, I'll be playing a significant amount immediately just to help uh, alleviate uh, the uh, the loss of Jerome McPherson and Rust East. So uh, it's an impact guy, Kobe Savage. Yeah, and we still don't know if uh, the Ross boss is coming back, yep. which I you'd think he would, but you never know. Yeah, ultimately, I think it just depends on if he wants to keep playing football or not. Because yeah. like, like he, um, it's unlikely he's going pro. So he, like, it's either he wants to continue playing or he just wants to get his life started. But I'm interested. I hope he comes back. Yeah, I do too. Especially with the improvement he showed down the stretch. Yeah. Now let's talk about the commit that. Committed on early signing day, which took both of us by surprise, seeing a cat signal at like 6.30 on early signing day. Yeah, that was really weird. And that is Jacob Parrish from Olathe, Kansas, Olathe North to be specific. And he's probably, he, uh, Connor did a lot more film study than I did. And he also has the uh, offer sheet pulled up. But from what, I'll, I'll just let Connor take it. Connor, yeah. I'm not going to steal your take this time. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm Jacob Parrish. He's incredibly versatile. Uh, his film, I watched about half of his tape on 24-7, and that was like maybe four minutes, and in that time he played four different positions effectively. <laughs> he played running back, receiver. Uh, he was a kick returner, and then he also played defensive back both at corner and, and nickel. And... He was really effective at everything that he did. He did uh, some down-the-field coverage. He was covering over the middle of the field, and he just looked generally very athletic. Uh, he's fairly undervalued prospect right now. Uh, he only has a few Division One FBS offers, Army, New Mexico State, and then K-State and Air Force. But other than that, it's all FCS offers. Um, but I... I like what I've seen from Jacob Parrish so far. Uh, he's unranked on rivals and doesn't have a composite score on 24-7. 24-7 gave him an 83-star, which is like a fringe two-star, three-star, which I think is probably fair for him. He's the kind of guy that like you take a flyer on because he has a lot of potential, and if he develops in the way that you hope and he fills out his frame effectively and keeps, in that, keeps his athleticism, then he's a guy you'd much rather have on your team than on somebody else's team. So I I like this pickup. I'm not sure if it's a walk-on or a scholarship offer, but regardless, he won't be signing in this early signing period. He's waiting until February, I believe. So, but Jacob Parrish, I, I love his versatility. I think he's probably going to be a defensive back at the Division One level. Probably so. But... Uh, I'm interested to see what he brings to the table. Unless we're really, really, really desperate for running back, and Clyde Price is not it, and neither is Devron Weathers. That's that's one of the only situations I could see that happening. Yeah. And DJ falls off the face of the earth. Yeah. yeah. A lot of dominoes have to fall for Jacob to be on offense. Yeah. 
I don't know, maybe receiver. But anyway, so we've gone over the two new commits and the entire signing class, which raises the... We have three questions for ourselves, so I don't know why I worded it like that. <laughs> um, let's just dive right into it. What? What? Who is your favorite player from this class? Like, regardless of potential or who you think is immediately going to play, who's your favorite? Um... That's very hard because for a long time it was one guy, and recently there have been several other people that have kind of entered into that favorite commit area. Because for a long time it was Toby Osinsami. Mm-hmm. I loved that signing from the moment that it happened. I know it was kind of a, it's a sign that's picked up a lot of steam as he's gained notoriety on recruiting sites. But at the time, he was really underrated as a prospect, and he uh, just generally was undervalued. But now he's a known commodity, and people know that Toby is good, he's legit, and he's an excellent athletic prospect. But since then, we've had uh, Jalen Clem, who's a high three-star, Donovan Ryman, same boat. I really like both of those guys as well. I think that this... I, I, there's been a lot of strife with this class online, which has kind of confused me because this might be my favorite Chris Kleiman class other than maybe, well, actually this might be my favorite because I think there's a ton of potential in this class. I think this is the pro, I think this is going to be the prototypical uh, Kleiman class unless we start landing four stars left and right where, which, you know, which I'd like, maybe. I'd like, <laughs> but I really like Donovan Ryman. He's got a ton of potential. Uh, And then Toby, of course, is great. Jalen Clem, I think he's going to be really, really, really good for us. And then um, Jay Clifton, I like. John Pastor, I like. There's a lot of guys in this class that I really like, and there's not many that I actively am like, eh. So it's tough to pick a favorite, but if I were absolutely forced to at this moment, I think I might roll... uh, It's got to be either Toby or Donovan Ryan, and I can't pick between those two. Okay. So, and this is before transfers, by the way. Yeah. Which I feel like transfers will give this a massive kick upwards. Yeah. Because, like, just look at who we got in the transfer portal last year. Russ Yeast, Sincere, hopefully Sincere's back. Julius Brents was our starting corner the entire year. Timmy, 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 ton of impact. Yeah. But I have to say that my favorite is John Pastor. And the main reason I say Pastor is because when looking at John Pastor's film, even if it is against a lower level of competition, the technique is still there, and yet he's still as physically dominant as he is at that level. And I know it's like the knock on him is going, oh, lower level of competition, oh, Colorado. It's like, I don't really care. John Pastor is someone who could reasonably step in day one and start at tackle if we needed him to. And I'm not saying he would be an immediate improvement at right tackle as a Christian Duffy. Because if I'm remembering correctly, um, Clif- not Clifton, uh, Pastor is a natural left tackle, I think. And that is a really underrated switch. Like you, that, you can't just switch sides of the offensive line. That's not how that works. You have to relearn your footwork which is not easy to do. But like I feel Pastor probably out of all of these linemen except maybe Clem's up there. I feel like of all these linemen, he's the one who has both the highest floor and arguably the highest ceiling. Yeah, I think Clem 
you could toss in there. I do think that they're probably both a step above Drake Beckwith, and that's not disrespect to Drake Beckwith. That's just that Pastor and Jalen Clem are really good. Yeah. Pastor's like, like, I'm happy you brought up Pastor because I think he's also really excellent. I, I think he's a really underrated signing because a lot of people complain about the ability of the staff to defeat Power 5 competition for recruits. And this, that's a legitimate Power 5 win right there. Uh, K-State beat, I believe it was Nebraska for yeah, John Pastor. And I, I, I love that pickup. Uh, Jake Lipton, I guess, is another example of that as well. Fending off uh, some late assaults from some in-state schools in Oklahoma. But, yeah, there's a lot of guys to really like in this class. So, like, I want to, like, assuage any fears about the quality of this class. Because I don't think that there's many, if any, people in here that will immediately step in and be a contributor other than Kobe Savage because he's he's a Juco guy. Maybe uh, uh, Sayamalo, uh, he could step in. But beyond that, like you look at freshmen, not a ton of instant impact guys. Maybe BJ Payne or Jordan Perry in the Maybe. defensive backfield. But like I don't know. A lot of potential here. Yeah. Speaking of, which one of these guys do you think has the absolute highest potential? That's a very easy question That's for me. That's a very easy question for both of us. I think it's Toby Osinsami because his his ceiling is almost limitless, I would say. He's one of the best athletes that's been signed to K-State in quite a while in terms of just a pure, raw athlete. I You could even argue that his ceiling is similar to or higher than Jaron Kanak's just based on their athletic profiles because Toby's, I would say, as athletic as Jaron Kanak with an extra inch of height and a little bigger, like he, like he weighs more. And Toby, he, he just is a natural fluid mover. Uh, he, has, he has great lateral and vertical movement. He's just straight up fast. He has quick burst. Like he's an athletic specimen and it may take him a year or two to learn the linebacker position at division one. But if he can get the schematic side figured out, which I have no reason to believe that he can't do that. He's going to be a monster for K state going forward. Yeah. And in my opinion, yeah, we gave the same answer. Even if he doesn't work out as like a true middle linebacker or an outside linebacker, the scheme that we have, we reasonably could ask him to play the Reggie Stubblefield role. Yeah, weak side, I think he would be really good in that role as well. Uh, there's there's a lot to like with Tobios and Sami, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do in this case, say defense. I think about the future of this defense, and I can't help but get excited because, I mean, like you have, especially in the near future, because, I mean, next year, we, like, we have so many guys coming back. Like, safety is a question mark. Defensive tackle is a question mark. And then we have one linebacker spot that needs filling. But beyond that, we have we have a lot of sure things. And then also a lot of guys waiting in the wings that I'm pretty high on. So I'm not particularly worried about the future of the defense, especially with the young guys that we're bringing in with a lot of potential. Yeah. And the next most plug-and-play guy, we gave the same answer you gave it in your... The class recap, it's Kobe Savage. It's Kobe Savage, yeah. <clears throat> so that's early signing day wrapped up, and that's actually, we both are really high on the class, which means that inevitably uh, three-fourths of them are going to somehow flame out. Yep. Shame. 
Yeah, the only good guy out of this class is going to be Sterling Lockett, unfortunately. So I'm lucky. But happened to anybody? Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a more in-depth uh, breakdown of these recruits. Whenever final yeah. signing day is approaching. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe even after. Uh, but sometime in February, uh, early February. We'll we're starved for content. Yeah, yeah. when <laughs> nothing is happening and the basketball team has lost like 18 in a row, then <laughs> we'll, then, then we'll, uh, we'll put out a uh, uh, football recruiting uh, right. segment. Uh, we're joking, by the way. Yeah, they'll only, they'll only lose like 16 or they'll pick off a few people in between yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now let's look at the transfer portal. And while there's no news of anyone committing to K-State from the transfer portal yet, verify. <laughs> Not yet. Okay. But by the time this episode is up, there might be some stuff. Maybe. We'll see. We'll I see. mean, I mean, because we've been like... The whole Adrian Martinez saga has been going on for like two weeks now, and like there's been stuff in the public sphere about it basically being a done deal. Like there's a picture of him in Aggieville wearing K State stuff. That seems like a done deal to me. I don't know, maybe. Like, like we don't know yet. He's being held hostage by Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Must be. It. Must be it. But like he's just like like you can leave. You just sign the dotted line. <laughs> sign the dotted line. <laughs> but. I more wanted to go over the people who transferred out and where they have ended up. Not because we're a program that follows any of these programs, but because, well, I always, no matter if you transfer in or out, if you've ever been a Wildcat at some point, I do wish the best for you, unless you end up transferring to KU, in which case I hate you. But and that's just for traitorous behavior. But let's go over the five people who have currently signed somewhere and will be playing there next year. Joe Irvin, the running back, is now going to be attending Middle Tennessee State. Wayne Jones, the linebacker slash safety slash guy we can never figure out what to do with, is transferring to the University of Charlotte. T. Denson is the lone Power 5 transfer, and he will be going to Purdue. Tyrone Hell goes to where he originally was going to sign anyway, the University of Louisiana Monroe, as opposed to the University of Louisiana Lafayette, home of Bo Juro. <laughs> and then Amaris Brown is transferring to North Texas. So, of all of these people, T is the one who got off the best, because there could be an argument made that he transferred up. <laughs> you could make the argument. I don't know if I would. I would consider it lateral. lateral. I'd consider it lateral, but you could make the argument. You could. If for no other reason than being in the Big Ten, but Purdue is not as... Uh, they're not as good as KC, I don't think. So... Yeah. Like, there's give and take there. Yep. But, I don't know. I was really surprised about Joe uh, being Middle Tennessee... I thought he'd get something better. I definitely thought he would be in a better spot than Middle Tennessee State. I figured he, I thought Coastal was a really good spot for him because he's from South Carolina. So I figured just going back to the Carolina area, I even thought maybe go to South uh, to South Carolina, and like that was before Spencer Rattler and Austin Sogner transferred there. But I figured he'd want to get a little closer to home, which he kind of did. And I don't know because I think Joe Irvin's immensely talented and i i think he just had the unfortunate 
bad luck of being stuck behind the consensus all-american deuce vaughn yeah honestly that could have happened to anybody no could have happened anyway <laughs> to see it but which like you know it was tough but like that that is kind of the nature of college football like i don't blame joe for transferring like i'm not upset with him i'm sad because i like him a lot but like i like i want him to be able to play and he just wasn't going to do that behind deuce because deuce is probably not declaring early so Joe would just spend his whole career sitting behind Deuce and wondering what could have been. So now we get to go be a feature back. Yeah. The I think the lone person that has transferred out that has yet to commit so far is Jacardier. And uh, we'll let you know whenever he does. Uh, but as always, all the best to all these guys. I uh, hope you find Joe Irvin. I hope you find yourself as a lead back. Wayne Jones, I hope you find a position. T. Denson, I hope you find yourself as a starting outside corner, because if you end up as a starting nickel, you literally just lateral move yourself. Tyrone Howell, I, get the t- I hope you get the targets you so deserve in an offense that knows how to utilize your skill set. And Amaris, Amaris, just keep doing you, man. I miss you, Amaris. I do, too. <laughs> Arguably, I think T and Amaris are the big losses there, but yeah, I, I that's exactly where I'm at. Like Joe hurts, but it's negated by the fact that we have a Deuce Vaughn. Then Wayne, like, like it sucks to see him go because he's been with the program for a while, but like he just couldn't quite find a home, uh, position wise. Just he, he was unfortunately stuck in between uh, the secondary and the linebacker core. Where he just kind of was a misfit on both ends. Then uh, Tyrone. I will also greatly miss, but we just didn't really utilize him that well, so I can't be that upset about it. Amaris was one that didn't make a lot of sense to me because uh, he was getting significant playing time. Like, he was playing quite a bit. And then T, uh, like, he was probably going to start next year. So, yeah. Hurts. Yeah. But that ends the recruiting segment in both the early signing day and transfer portal. Now let's start with the weekly recap. Starting off with the sport that we've not yet covered on this show, and that is track and field. See, track and field had two events, though really it was just one, was the Wildcat Invitational, starting off with the Friday Pentathlon, and neither of these events were particularly big, by the way. It was mostly just K-State, but in the Friday Pentathlon, uh, we had these, the following first place finishes. Yeah, in the pentathlon, TJ Shankar, he's a senior. He's won the Natty in the Big 12 and high jump a few times. Like, he's, he's the guy. But we have him doing pentathlon and not high jump. He was really good at it, so he can <laughs> kind of just do whatever he wants, I guess. But he won the 60-meter hurdles. Uh, he had a time of 8.22. I think that's good. It's very good. And uh, so, obviously, he was leading. There's only one other guy. Or there were two other people, actually, competing in that. One of them just uh, did not start. Uh, then what else did he do? He won the long jump. He also won the shot put as well. Okay, so he can just do everything. And yeah, literally did everything. Then obviously he won the high jump because, yeah, yeah, uh, of he, course he, he did. he's won a national championship in the high jump. Of course he he won it this K State meet with where he competed with one guy. Yeah, <laughs> also from K State. Yeah. And then he won the 1,000 meters as well. And the other K-State guy didn't even bother starting at that point. <laughs> he was like, whatever. Whatever, guys. But, yeah, TJ Shankar won very easily. Then they had the 
uh, women's indoor pentathlon. It was won by somebody from UCLA. Uh, someone from K-State, Madeline McCabe, got third. And then we had, I think, somebody, two other people compete, Maddie Ryder and Vittoria Alves, although Alves only competed in the 60-meter uh, hurdles. And she got first. She just didn't do anything else. So maybe I guess she's a hurdler and she just Yeah, maybe yeah, maybe else. she just wanted to do the hurdles and then was like, Alright, I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. Which I can respect that. But Yeah, and then um, of course TJ won wins by a landslide because he was the only person that finished. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I'm not gonna go through everything like in insane detail, but uh, the point is is that it was mainly KC here. Some random person from UCLA just came here and won the women's pentathlon. I don't know why they were here. I mean, that's me. No, maybe it was a maybe it was a fair trade that uh, I pulled up and was somehow the sixth best speaker in the state of California at the California State Championship. <laughs> and that's... it was a trade. They get me as a speaker. We get them as a track athlete. <laughs> That must be it. I, I can't think of any other conceivable argument. Like, also, there are some people from Mid America, Nazarene, and Emporia State competing. Some from Houston Baptist. Like, okay, <laughs> okay. But that that was basically it for Friday. Uh, and then Saturday, which was the normal Invitational, not the pentathlon. We let's just go over first place finishes because otherwise we'll be here like forever. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll go gold through bronze. We'll say. Okay. Yeah. Men's high jump. Kyle Alstein. Cameron Garrett, Caleb Clark, that's one through three. Uh, top two guys were both uh, KSU Wildcats. Uh, pole vault, we only had one guy compete, Brian Simon, so he won. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> Women's pole vault, two people competed. Uh, Tommy Hintnouse and Reagan Hukil. I'm going to die with these last names. <laughs> but... <laughs> but they uh, that's first and second there men's long jump top three uh, two people from Oklahoma and someone from William Carey uh, Gary Williams Kylan Wallace and Ladanian Rowell uh, that's a long jump finals I'm not seeing anybody from K-State competing in the men's long jump women's long jump there were only three people competing William Ca- someone from William Carey and someone from OU and then another person from William Carey Brittany Jones Nicole Ume Ezioki and Nevagant Jones, who also, uh, that's a DNS. And then, shame. Uh, Men's triple jump, uh, Kuni Akin Losotu got first out of Oklahoma. Ladanian Rowell got second. I'm getting tired of reading all of these. (laughs) Okay, then you can just do the K State people. That's kind of what I figured. I'm just going to do the K State people. (laughs) Uh, Women's triple jump, Chantoba Bright won. Uh, She was the only K State person competing. A men's shot put, Jackson Gibbon, got sixth at K-State. This is way easier. Yeah. <laughs> Women's shot put, five through seven, was all K-State people. J.C. Schroeder, Jasmine Greer, and Grace Thompson, they got five through sixth place. And then we move to the men's weight throw. Cade McCall got third from K-State. Women's weight throw, once again, we had three people in a row, got third through fifth. Emma Robbins, Jasmine Greer, Emily Fuhrer, and then Lacey Pavlak got seventh. And then men's one-mile run, Jack Vincent, and, and this other guy. <laughs> this <laughs> other guy. <laughs> 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 
I'm not trying. <laughs> I'm not even attempting. Women's 60 meters. Awori and Jado got first. Felicia uh, Williams and Taisha Price got third and fourth, respectively. And then the men's 60 meters, uh, KV and Kerr, uh, Darian Clark, and Brian Smith got fourth through sixth. And what else? Women's 60 meter hurdles, Victoria Alves got first. Then women's 300 meters, Orion Jado, Tasha Price got first and second. And Valicia Williams got sixth. And men's 300 meters, Sean Wilson, Tim Lambert, Kavian Kerr got th- second through fourth. Then seventh and eighth was Carson Lackey and Darian Clark. And that was it for that. The women's 600 yards? Why are they using yards in a track? Anyway, Macy, Macy Hines got second. Uh, Tommy Hittnouse got third. And then Reagan Hukel got seventh. They have the pentathlon results again. Okay. It does not matter. We already went over that. Okay. So I think that's... There's more. My God. Um, no, there's not more. <laughs> yeah. We had some people get second through fourth in the men's 600 yards. Somebody got seventh. Men, women's 1,000 meters. We got first and second. Alex Ferguson won that. Congratulations, Alex. Men's 1,000 meters. This is like 50% K-State people competing. First through fourth was K-State people. Travis Hodge, Kyle Johnson, Alex Gutierrez, and Ryan Derry. And women's 4 by 4 K-State won. And then... There was no men's 4x4, four four, I guess. Apparently not. All right. Well, that was a mess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to keep covering track and field, but we... We'll structure that differently in the future because yeah. that was just very frustrating. You know, what would have been easier is if they provided team results, which they did not. <laughs> yeah, you know. So, but instead we get to run through every single event. But K-State had a good weekend. K-State did... They overall performed quite well, it seems, based off of the results. Maybe if, that should be the format. It's just, they did well. Moving on. Team results and first place finishes for K-State people should probably be, like, it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, as we plan future shows on the show. On the show. Yeah, you know. We're professionals. <laughs> but now, moving on, we can talk about women's basketball and their lone matchup that they've had. And, uh... Remember on last episode, we were questioning why they went to South Dakota State? Well, it's apparently because South Dakota State is not bad. Um, yeah. It was still a victory for the KSU Cats, 79-73. to And guess who was the leading scorer? You'll never guess. You'll absolutely never, ever guess. Was it Jeff Mitty? That's a really good guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's Aoka Lee. Oh, who would have thought? Yeah, she had 38. You know. Yeah, she had. This was a tight win for the Cats, 79-73. Granted, there were several factors that played into this. One of them is that's the fourth game of a four-game road trip. Like, they're probably just tired. They also only had seven active players for this game because they already had people hurt. And then they had the uh, Glenn twins. They were out with sickness as well as Taylor Lauterbach. So, Aoka Lee was, like, our only center 
and she played 37 minutes and only got three fouls, which that's normally her big issue is that she is just in horrible foul trouble, but they were unable to stop her for the most part. KSA jumped out to an early lead in this one, but let South Dakota State fight back. And South Dakota State actually held a lead in the second half, and it took a late rally from K-State. And it was honestly a really gutsy win from what I could tell because K-State was really just, they were getting fatigued because South Dakota State just had more personnel. Yeah. Like, like, that just made it so much easier for them. And then you, you just look at, like, what they were able to do and fight back with only seven players. Granted, one of them is Aoka Lee, but still, you only have seven people. <laughs> Aoka Lee is worth, like, five. Yes. Aoka Lee! But, yeah, and then also South Dakota State shot 50% from three this game. When you're shooting 50% from three, you're going to have a shot to beat anybody in the country. Yeah. And, but yeah, moving on, Aoka Lee, she had 38 points, 14 rebounds, six blocks. She was better than everybody. She took 30 shots and made 16 of them. <laughs> Uh, Serena Sundell, she had 10 assists and just one turnover in this game. That's ridiculous. Which is one of the better sat lines I've seen in a while. And the one turnover was, like, in the fourth quarter, like, really late. She had 16 points. She had five steals and five rebounds. So she she had an absolutely excellent day. And that was efficient from the field as well. 5 of 11, 4 of 8 from 3. Uh, Emily Ebert had 9 points, 8 assists to no turnovers. Uh, one steal, three rebounds. Really nice day from Emily Everts. Brecken Dollinger had eight points, three rebounds, three assists, four turnovers, and a block. Jada Moore did not score any points, and she had three assists to no turnovers and three rebounds. The Cats did not have many turnovers uh, against South Dakota State, which that was just going to be necessary to win. Yeah. And, and Laura Mackey had eight points. Simone Goodrich did not have any points. She only played 11 minutes, did not put up a shot, had two rebounds and an assist. And that, that's kind of been her role, just a facilitator, just get the ball rolling. Yeah. But a really, really gutsy win from women's basketball. I was able to watch some of this game on uh, my phone, but I I was really happy to see them have a performance like this. And now they have a huge game coming up, which we will... Uh, talk about now. Yeah, talk about now. <laughs> so... Your women's basketball team will be in Manhattan this Saturday, facing off the now-ranked 23rd Oregon Ducks in Bramlage Coliseum. There, please, I urge you to go to this game. First, I think it's a thousand, first thousand people to the ticket office get free tickets in. It's dollar day. You can get dollar hot dogs and probably dollar sodas. And you get to see... What really is and will soon be a ranked matchup for women's basketball. This is an absolutely huge game. And if you're going to pick one game this year, which I would urge you to pick more, but if you're going to pick one game this year to show up to, please show up this Saturday. I know for the student perspective, your finals are just getting done. You just survived the apocalypse yesterday. I guess two days ago upon recording, I mean upon posting, but please show up and support the women's basketball team as they go up against the Oregon Ducks, because this is an absolutely huge matchup. Yep, I, I couldn't have said it better. Oregon's ranked 23rd in the coaches' poll. Uh, K-State was receiving votes in the coaches' poll, but they're now not. 
which is weird because we have not lost since then. I guess they saw our close result against South Dakota State and did not see that we only had seven players active. But uh, South Dakota State was ranked to begin the year, so it's not like they're a pushover. They are three and seven because they've just had their own struggles with injuries and whatnot. But they've they've been competitive. Uh, and then women's basketball, they're going to be facing off, as we said, with Oregon. Oregon's a good team. They have sl- they've slipped a little bit from where they started, but they've also played South Carolina. They lost by 17, so fairly comparable performance, you could say. Uh, their only losses other than that, uh, they lost to South Florida on the road. and Well, actually, that was at a tournament. And then they've also lost. They got upset by UC Davis, and then that is it. And they beat OU. Uh, on the road 98-93 at that tournament. I was talking about the Battle for Atlantis. But this is a good Oregon squad. It's literally a dollar to get into this this game. Actually, some of it's free. Cause, yeah, a lot of it will be free. Yeah, because I think it was uh, there was a 1,000 free tickets, first come, first serve, from uh, Mr. Jeff Mitty, uh, head coach of women's basketball. Really good guy. And, Great man. And he, uh, he bought some tickets, like, which if that's it, like it's it costs nothing. It's free parking. It's one. It's some free tickets. Some one dollar. Some one dollar concessions as well. If that's not enough to get you in the door, like I I don't know what would. Like will they have to like send Willie the Wildcat to like go pick you up in an Uber? Is Taylor Brack gonna have to go get you in his purple Jeep? The purple Jeep, <laughs> which I still see walking back and forth from classes. <laughs> Just wave at it. But yeah, it's a it's a huge game. And this is a sort of game that if K-State women's basketball can pull this one off, then they're they're staring the NCAA tournament right in the face at this point. Because they have only lost to this point, I believe, two games. And I think maybe three. Maybe three. Lost, we got buzzsawed by South Carolina. No, it was two. It's only two games. Okay. And it's to the number one and number two teams in the country. So, like, that's fair. But yeah, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm okay with that. Like, would I rather they win? Yeah, but I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, because there's not much really yeah. else you could do. Yeah, like, it is what it is. In North Carolina State, they're number two. Their only loss is number one, South Carolina. So, like, South Carolina is a buzzsaw. There's nothing you can do. They're simply, like, insurmountable. Better than you. They, they are better than everybody, but... K-State, they can still make a run at the tournament, and they've gotten invaluable experience playing one of the hardest schedules in the country. Also, the NCAA net rankings that they use heavily in uh, the NCAA tournament seeding, they're ranked 10th right now in the entire country based off strength of schedule performance against quality opponents and then just taking care of business against other people. So, Plus, they have Aoka Lee. Aoka Lee is so much fun to watch because yeah. she is so much better than everybody. <laughs> it is she, actually like watching a high schooler bully a bunch of toddlers. Yeah. Like, it's like if you were playing NCAA Football 14, but there was only one player that was playing on freshman difficulty on the whole team. <laughs> it's like if the quarterback threw the ball to a receiver, but they were just a 99 overall going up against a bunch, like a, like a bunch of 40 overalls. Yeah. Like, that's what it's like to watch Aoka Lee. But it's not just her. The Glenn twins have been really entertaining. Serena Sundell has been one of the best freshmen in the entire country that so far this year. She has been 
far beyond my wildest expectations for any of the freshmen. And Simone has had her moments of... Because I think she had one game where she was the leading scorer, didn't she? She may have. Uh, I know at least Serena has. And uh, Simone, she she does her job. But there's a lot of fun players on this team. And the Midi Cats will definitely be needing your support. Ace and I will be there. so We're not a draw, but we can yeah. pretend we're a draw. Yeah, yeah, we are not the reason you should go, but... If you just are like the type of person that's like, oh, you know, I don't want to go by myself. We're going to be there too. So just show up. Sit front row with us. Yeah, just go. We don't bite. Just go, cowards. Connor might. I I promise I won't. You're going to be on your best behavior? Yeah, I'm not going to do it again, I promise. Okay. But (laughs) pull up to the game on Saturday. If you're a student, just delay going home for a day. Unless you live in the dorms like I get it like they kick you out yeah, but okay, then there's you, nothing you can do if you don't live in the dorms and you're a student or if you can find a way around it go to the women's basketball game i'm predicting a, a wildcat dub play wildcat victory cowards no okay. wait i was thinking wildcat march <laughs> <laughs> i'm like okay well <laughs> anyway so that's women's basketball now let's talk about men's basketball who had their matchup with green bay in which my roommate and i you got cropped out of the image. I did. I but, did get cropped out of being on TV, sadly. Which I don't care. I don't care either. Like I, the fact that I was on there, I okay, sure. Yeah, cool. Like, it's happened twice, and this time I wasn't pogging on national television. That was really funny, though. <laughs> it was funny, but I looked like an idiot. But anyway, the men's basketball team. One eighty-two to sixty-four. You have statistics, and then we both were actually at this game, so we can talk with more ad nauseum about the takeaways. Yep. Uh, men's basketball. They defeated Green Bay eighty-two to sixty-four. Slow start, which yeah, but statistically, Always. statistically though, uh, Marquise Noel led the way. Twenty-two points, seven to thirteen from the field, four seven from three. 4-4 four, four from the free throw line. He had eight assists to just two turnovers with a steal and three rebounds. He was, once again, the best player on the floor. Uh, although Ish Masood was also really good. He continued his performance from Marquette in 31 minutes. He had 17 points, perfect shooting, 5-5 five five from the field, 4-4 four, four from three, 3-3 three three from the free throw line. Did not miss a shot. Everything he put up went in the bucket. This you is this is what we've been waiting for for Mish Masood because he came in and we're like, this guy's a shooter. And he's finally starting to put it together since the Marquette game. But the beautiful shot. Absolutely gorgeous shot Ish Masood has. But yes, we also had four rebounds and two assists and a steal and no turnovers. Excellent day for Mish Masood. Then Mark Smith had 14 points, 5 of 12 from the field, 2 of 3. From three, I think those two threes came like in a row because yeah. he made one and then he just went down and shot another and it was it was pretty funny. He also had ten rebounds, another double double, and he had three assists, no turnovers, and two steals. Really nice day from the transfers as uh, the transfers were the only three players on K State to reach double figures on the day. And Celta Miguel, he had six points, three rebounds, one assist to three turnovers, which is a little sloppy. With a steal, two of five from the field, of one from three. So you'd like to see a little bit better from Selton, but it is what it is. Casey had five points in six minutes, and he also had four fouls in six minutes. 
It, it was one of those Casey games. Yeah. You're due for one about once every, like, seven or eight games where he looks like very reliable for several games, and then he'll just have a day where he steps on the floor and it just, like, it seems like if he breathes on somebody, like, it's, it's, a, gonna, foul. it's a foul. <laughs> yeah, like, and you could definitely tell that he was getting, not to interrupt you, you can definitely tell that he was getting exasperated because every single time that he got anywhere close to anybody, he would just put his arms up and then he would immediately get called for a foul. And then you would just see him look over at the referee like, what do you want me to do? Maybe that was why Marquise was trying to powerbomb the referee. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Yeah, that, that was a weird moment. <laughs> but And then also, so Davion had 18 minutes playing to fill in for Casey. Uh, Davion had six points, one assist, no turnovers. Perfect from the field, two of two. And then two of two from the free throw line. So, very efficient performance from Davion. And then you have Nigel Pack in his first game back. He had six points, two of five from the field, one of three from three. And then one of two from the free throw line. Had a rebound, an assist, no turnovers, and a steal. So, pretty limited, only 15 minutes for Nigel. Uh, just getting back from injury. Logan Landers, he actually scored. He had four points. Perfect from the field, three rebounds, one turnover, and just all around solid performance. Lucas Supke, he had four fouls in 20 minutes, only two points. But he did have two steals and then one assist, but he did also have two turnovers, so pretty spotty performance. Uh, Carlton Lingard got at the end of the game at three minutes, played, missed a few shots. Drew Honus, Trey Harris, and Jordan Brooks all played as well. Trey Harris came away with a rebound, was the only walk-on to record a stat. But that is it statistically. The Cats shot excellent. Or at least that's it for individual stats. They shot 55% from the field, 52% from three, 88% from the free throw line. Cannot complain about any of that. The transfers were excellent against Green Bay. Yeah. And this was really the... Everyone's talked about it, but this has been a season for the transfers. And this was the game where all three transfers put it together at the exact same time. Because you've had games where Marquise, again, still my favorite player on the team, has just not had it. But Ish and Mark have. And then you've had games where Ish may not have it, but Marquise and Mark do. This was the first game that I've seen where all three of them were firing on all cylinders. And honestly, if all three of them were firing on all cylinders, I think we smoke. I think we smoke Marquette. But... You know, if this is what we have to look forward to for the rest of the season, yeah, the Big 12 is freakishly good for no real reason. But, well, there's obviously reasons, but a lot of teams have just kind of come out of nowhere this season. But if all three of our transfers are as good as they were on this night and play together as well as they did on this night, and if Marquise Noel is maybe willing to powerbomb a few referees for Casey's sake, It'll. This is gonna. This has the potential to be a really good squad. Yeah, I really like the potential uh, that they're displaying right now. Like you said, uh, but they do. They just need to put it together, and just need to find a way to string some victories together against quality opponents. Because they have the win over Wichita State, and that is excellent. But they really need to beat some big time opponents, which they will have the opportunity to do this upcoming weekend on Sunday evening at Nebraska and Lincoln. Yeah. So. 
which speaking of, yeah, they play Nub this Sunday in Lincoln. I believe it's a 6.30 tip-off. Then the game that I will be at home for against McNeese State in Bramlage Coliseum on Tuesday, December 21st. So obviously if you're able to go out and support the men's basketball team as well as the women's basketball team. But that pretty much wraps it up. And just for, for final words here, I, I, we hate to keep harping on it. Show up Saturday. Seriously. It's a massive game. Be there. Be loud. Support the women's basketball team because they're doing something special. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you said it best. Uh, support the women's basketball because this yeah, if they win on Saturday, this could catapult them to finishing like top three in the Big 12. Because Baylor is still Baylor when it comes to women's basketball. Even though Kim Mulkey is not there anymore, they are still a force to be reckoned with because they're just still immensely talented. But regardless of that, there's still a lot of spots up for grabs in the Big 12. Texas and Iowa State are both really good. But if K-State can prove themselves against a quality opponent, then I'll feel a lot better about their potential performances against Texas, Iowa State, Baylor, etc., because there's a lot of talent on these teams. So they can get some injured players back, then they have a shot at making a run in the Big 12. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big 12 because Baylor is Baylor, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. But yeah, and then also Sunday, just I don't know, tune in to the men's basketball. Uh, Nebraska, old rival, they've also been slipping as of late. They've lost four in a row in their last two games. They lost by 35 and 31 respectively. So they're kind of having a K-State of last year season right now. <laughs> but they, they've they just really been struggling thus far. And I believe their coach is on the rocks right now. Like, he may or may not be sticking around much longer. And uh, they're, one of their better players got injured in, like, the third game of the year. My God, it is like us last year. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's bad uh, in Lincoln right now for basketball. They've, they've dropped four in a row, all the Power 5 opponents. So, what sport is good in Lincoln? Volleyball? Volleyball, yeah. Baseball's not good. Yeah. That's pretty much just volleyball. Just right, volleyball. Right now it's volleyball, at least. But, yeah, it'll be a fun game to watch. Hopefully, if Casey cannot pull off the win against Nebraska, then I'm willing to hit the alarm bells yeah. on them. Because this is a winnable game. Nebraska is definitely the worst team in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten is a very top-heavy basketball conference. So, Worse than the Big Ten is just bad. Worse than the Big 12 is generally still solid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, sorry for this really awkward transition here, but this is post-recording Ace here. And, uh, of course, the second week in a row that we're having to do a post-episode correction or addition to the episode, I suppose. Uh, Connor's not here with me right now. He is out living his life because he had previous obligations. But for the uninformed uninformed your Kansas State Wildcats have picked up a huge quarterback transfer and that is the four-year starter from Nebraska Adrian Martinez who we were actually talking about in the episode being the the speculative choice for the person that was going to transfer here and I'm sure Connor and I would be able to carry a a more long-form discussion if he were actually here. So I'm certain that we'll end up doing that next week. 
But yeah, the announcement came out, I believe it was two hours after we stopped recording the episode, that Adrian Martinez will indeed be a Kansas State Wildcat. As for what I think Adrian Martinez brings to the table, I am cautiously optimistic about him because the offense that he was asked to run at Nebraska is one that had a lot of margin for error. And also, he wasn't necessarily dealing with the best offensive line group. Connor would be able to tell you much better than I would the statistics on their offensive line because, as we all know, I hate numbers. But most importantly is how how do I think he will make the transition to this Kansas State Wildcat offense? Obviously, it's going to be a lot slower pace for him from everything that he's ever played with at Nebraska. So he'll actually take time to more digest the field. He'll get time to do that as opposed to running that more hurry up NASCAR offense to where he doesn't have time to go through every single pre-snap read that ideally you would want to go through as a quarterback. In terms of technique, he is fundamentally a pretty sound quarterback, at least from what I have seen. He doesn't have any glaring technical issues, which as we've seen with a couple of quarterbacks on the roster, They don't necessarily get ironed out particularly well here. So Adrian Martinez, being that experienced, essentially finished product, stepping onto campus, is an absolutely amazing thing for this K-State offense. Also, his running ability is not to be understated. He's not as much of a a rumble-and-tumble player as, as Will Howard is, because Will Howard really is... Will Howard, I think, is what is he's 240, something like that. He's a very large human being. Adrian Martinez is a considerably shiftier runner, also probably considerably faster than Will Howard. But yeah, Wildcats add a, another important piece as my phone goes off. I'm, I swear I'm a professional. Adds another very important piece to this Kansas State offense. And I'll leave you with this before I redo the introduction bit. I want you to imagine an offense where we have Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn running option out of the backfield. Both legitimate threats, Adrian Martinez being a better runner in terms of speed than Skyler is or really ever was. So yeah, exciting times in Manhattan, Kansas with picking up the former Cornhusker, Adrian Martinez. So thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to contact the show in any way, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to contact me and Connor in a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00 and Connor is at Connor Balthazar. If you want to support the show in a more financial sense, we're always looking for sponsors. But if you want to go ahead and get something in return, feel free to check out our merch store where we have such designs as Play Sandstorm Cowards and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.